It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Alex Kennedy Podcast, which is brought to you by basketballnews.com. This is episode number 39, and we're back to posting two episodes a week, so make sure to subscribe. That way you don't miss any of our new episodes. Today, I'm joined by the best NBA draft analyst in the business. He does a fantastic job for us at Basketball News as our senior NBA draft analyst. He's also a former agent, comes from a basketball family. He coached overseas at one point. My guest is the great Matt Babcock. Matt, thanks for joining me. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. We got the draft right around the corner, so it's uh, our, our favorite time of the year. I'm sure uh, I've been loving the work you've been doing. You know, your mock draft is so awesome at Basketball News with all the different, uh, you know, scouting reports and uh, some of the interviews you've been doing. So keep up the great work. Uh, I'm curious, how does this draft class compare to other recent classes in terms of overall talent? You know, I, I like this draft. I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of one that I like. I like every year's draft. I'm, I'm somewhat of an optimistic uh, guy in regards to the prospects, but I think it's pretty good. the The depth is not is not that great. I think when you get in the second round, uh, it slips off quite a bit compared to the other drafts. But uh, the top part, top part of the draft, and then. Uh, I mean, pretty much at least midway through the first, I think is is very good. So I'm here in Orlando, and there's a big debate about the number one pick. Uh, a lot of people want Jabari. A lot of people want Chet. Where do you kind of stand on, you know, what you think Orlando would do, and who would you pick if you had the decision to make? You know, we've, we've had Jabari Smith number one since November. Uh, and I mean, that's pretty much the consensus around the league is everybody thinks it's going to be Jabari. I, you know, some people I've heard think there's an outside chance that they can go with Chet Holmgren. Uh, but if it were me, I'm, I'm going with Jabari Smith. I'm curious, how many All-Stars do you think could come out of this draft? You know, I know that's typically something that people look at as a way to determine the overall talent in the class, like how how top-heavy it is. You know, do you think we could see multiple All-Stars coming out of this class? Yeah, I mean, it's got the potential for that. I, you know, I think the top four is uh, is my tier one, which is, you know, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paulo Bancaro, and Jaden Ivey. Uh, I think all four of those guys have the potential of uh, becoming all-star level players. And there's some other guys too that, I mean, if everything clicks, I think AJ Griffin's got a ton of talent, Benedict Matherin, Shaden Sharp, um, Dyson Daniels. I mean, there, there's a number of guys that that have the, the upside uh, to, to potentially get there. It's just, you know, obviously that's a little easier said than done. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, as you know, the NBA is is a dogfight, you know, night in, night out. And, uh, you know, solidifying themselves in, in, in the league is tough, but yeah, a lot, a lot of upside. Shaden Sharp is so interesting to me because I feel like he's so hard to project just because we didn't see him play college at all. And there's always like a few of those mystery guys in each draft. And uh, I'm curious, uh, when you talk to different people around the league and when you do your own evaluations of Shaden Sharp, what do you think of his game? And do you think the potential outweighs the risk since we really don't know how he's going to look in the NBA or against great competition? 
Yeah, he's a tricky one. I mean, I was lucky I was able to see him multiple times when he was in high school. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, guys with upside, I mean, he's right right in the, in the thick of that that mix. Uh, you know, six five, long arms, really explosive, uh, just a natural shot maker with range. I, he, he's got he's got the tools you'd want from a scoring wing. Um, you know, I mean, we, we just have such a small sample size of evaluating him. Uh, it just make, makes it hard. I mean, it naturally creates a higher level of risk, you know, just not not seeing him at, at, on a big stage. And there's been question marks, too, about, you know, how hard he works or how hard he plays. Um, I mean, he see, seems like a good kid to me. I, I think uh, I think he'll go somewhere mid, mid late lottery. One thing that I saw your Q&A you did with uh, Ethan Fuller, one of our writers at Basketball News, was that uh, Chet Holmgren hasn't shared his medicals and his heart testing with different teams. And you think that he might be trying to force his way to a certain team. Um, you know, how common is that? And and what do you think of that strategy? Yeah, it's pretty common. Uh, you know, I mean, the agent's trying to get control of the situation as much as possible. And I mean, I, I, mean, I, ho- I hope that's the scenario. I mean, I hope there's nothing to hide. Obviously, I, you know, I'm not rooting against any of these kids, especially sure. if we're talking about health. Um, yeah, but assuming that it's, uh, you know, the agents sort of, you know, trying to, you know, create leverage where they can, um, you know, kind of pinpoint them. I mean, what I understand is Oklahoma city might be the team that they're, they're wanting, uh, but we'll see. And it, it is a pretty common tactic. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the agents, it's one thing they can control. I mean, I, I, I've said before, I, I, I wish, uh, the NBA would, would make that a huge priority with the collective bargain agreement, as far as making the physicals and, you know, medical testing, uh, mandatory because I mean these teams are investing millions of dollars in these kids. I I, I just don't think they're you know the agent should have the, the ability of manipulating it like that. But um, that's a whole other conversation, obviously. Steph Curry's record-breaking three-pointer, Jason Tatum's buzzer-beating alley-oop, John Morant's poster dunk, NBA Top Shot is where the greatest moments from NBA history are turned into officially licensed digital collectibles. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards and made it easier to buy, sell, and collect by removing the hassle of grading, shoeboxes, and shipping fees. You can buy or sell moments in a few clicks and access them at any time on your phone or computer. Your collection is always at your fingertips. Start collecting Top Shot moments in any way you want. Collect rookie moments from future stars like Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham. Collect throwback moments from former NBA stars like Shaq and Allen Iverson. Or collect moments from your favorite team to gain access to exclusive perks. Grab your starter pack today and Top Shot will give you $20 back to start your collection and pick up some of your favorite moments in the marketplace. Go to about.nbatopshot.com slash bballnews and get in the game today. That's about.nbatopshot.com slash bballnews. So who are some of the hardest teams for you to project or mock? Um, I mean, Sam Presti is a difficult one. I mean, he keeps everything pretty, pretty close to the vest. San Antonio, the same thing, which, you know, Sam's a, um, you know, product of the, the Spurs organization originally. And um, some of the analytics, you know, driven teams, I think Sacramento, Memphis, uh, Houston, I, I lean on Derek Murray quite a bit. You know, he's got experience dealing with analytics and he uh, I always had, you know, pick his brain. If you're looking at this from an analytics standpoint, what would you do? And that's how we we make a lot of those picks. I like it. Um, who are some of the players that have the widest range of outcomes on draft night? Like a guy that could potentially, if he doesn't go to a certain spot, he could fall quite a bit. Are there any players that come to mind as far as having a really wide range of outcomes? Yeah, I mean, a few guys. The one guy that comes to mind that we talked about the other night is uh, Walker Kessler. Uh, you know, who's been projected as a guy you know, to go in the late teens, early twenties for a while on most of the, you know, the credible mock drafts. And, uh, you know, we had him going to Dallas and Dallas just traded that pick. And we, we made it like a slight adjustment to the mock draft and Derek and I were going through it. And 
I'm not sure where he goes in the first, even though he's he's you know quote unquote a projected first round pick. Mm. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy that could potentially could slip. And I think some of these younger guys that are a little bit wild card, you know, high risk, high rewards. You know, Max Christie, Caleb Houston, uh, Musa Diabate. I mean, they're all guys. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if somebody you know took a flyer on them in the late first. Peyton Watson's another one from UCLA. Um, you know, but they could slip too. I mean, they can go in the second round. So I think the high risk, high reward guys. Uh, which there's a lot of, I, I could probably keep going on. I, I think they uh, have a significantly wide range. That makes sense. Uh, who are some teams that have been active in trade talks and that you think people should keep an eye on over the next few days? Yeah, I mean, there, there's so much chatter uh, going on. I, I think one, one thing people realize uh, or don't realize is that, you know, a lot, even, you know, in, in years where there are a lot of trades in the draft, Every single year, there's a lot of talk of trades, and so so much happens, or you know, behind the scenes that never even comes to fruition. And so, I think every team uh, is a potential trade partner, and especially with the teams that have multiple picks. So, I mean, Oklahoma City, um, uh, from one, I mean, Sam, Sam's always wheeling and dealing, and so um, yeah, I, a lot, a lot of talks going on right now. It makes sense too that the teams that are the hardest to uh, project, you know, OKC, San Antonio, not only are those like the teams that are close to the best, but they also have the most, you know, multiple picks. So that makes it a bit tough, I'm sure. Um, Absolutely. Who are some of your biggest sleepers, guys that, you know, you're big fans of that could be found later in the draft? Yeah, the one guy that I've been high on since he was in high school is Ty Ty Washington. Uh, You know, I I personally have him, you know, projected as, uh, uh, you know, or he should be a lottery pick in my book. I, We've got him going number 17 to Houston. I think if he gets out of the lottery, he would be a great pick for somebody. Uh, and then some of those younger guys with upside that I mentioned, Max Christie's is a guy that that I'm really high on. You know, he didn't have, you know, an overwhelmingly productive uh, freshman season at Michigan State. I, I just think down the road, he's going to be a really good player. But th- those are the two names that, that you know, come off the top of my head. And then if you're just looking at the entire draft board, not even just guys that could go later that are sleepers, who are some players that you're just higher on than the general consensus? They can be lottery guys, like any any range. But is there anyone that you're you're higher on than most? Yeah, I'd say Jaden Ivey, and uh, you know, I mean, he's you know widely projected as as the fourth guy. I mean, I think most uh, most mock drafts and, and analysts have him number four, and including ourselves. Uh, but if it were me personally, I mean, I'd be looking at him as high as number one or number two. Uh, I, I just think he's got so much star power and, and potential. And, so athletic. I mean, he's got the Russell Westbrook, John Moran type burst, which just doesn't come around very often. But yeah, Jaden Ivey is the guy that I, I put my stamp on. He's just so explosive, so much fun to watch. Whichever team gets him is going to be really, really happy. That fan base is going to love him. Uh, I, I agree with you there. Um, I'm curious, how does your draft prep dip, differ now You know that you're doing the media stuff and, and mock drafts and all that versus when you were an NBA agent? What did that week look like? Look at this weekly after the draft. What did that look like when you were an agent? You know, I mean, from behind the scenes, I used a lot of the um, methods I, I did as an agent as far as breaking down the teams and looking at the salary cap and what kind of you know contracts they're committed to and, and, you know, really kind of putting myself in the shoes of that team's general manager. And it's exactly what I did when I was an agent. That, that's what allowed me to sort of prioritize the teams as far as how we schedule guys' workouts. Uh, so, you know, for behind the scenes, very, very similar, um, you know, operation. Obviously, what what I'm doing with that information is completely different. Now we're we're talking about it publicly. I'm writing articles, those sort of things. But uh, yeah, as far as the prep work goes, it's pretty similar. One of the things that impresses me the most when I look at just what you guys have been able to build at Basketball News and at Babcock Hoops, and with you know uh, your scouting background, it, you know you've seen most of these players since they were in high school. 
you're always traveling across the country, going to different games and tournaments, you know, around this time of year, you're going to different gyms and, and you're seeing guys in person. Like, you know, can you, for people that may not know, and they just see the, the content, but don't know what happens behind the scenes. Can you kind of talk about just how much you've seen these guys behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean, some some more than others, obviously, but uh, yeah, I mean, m- most of these guys I've been tracking for two, three years, and um, you know, a lot of them I've gotten to know them personally. I got to know their families, their their you know their advisors, uh, and and so yeah, there there's a a lot that goes into evaluating these guys, and uh, you know, I, I really you know, I, you know, having grown up in an NBA family where my my family works in front offices, I, I really have taken an approach, you know, as an NBA scout, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing things uh, to the best best I possibly can, and. You know, I, I feel like it would be it'd be a lot easier and simpler if I would just watch film and not travel. But um, you know, I really care about the quality of our of our work, and so you know, we spend a lot of time on the road and and, and really kind of you know doing everything we possibly can to, to learn about these players. Yeah, there's so many things that you can see in person that you can't get, uh, you know, just from watching film, and I, I think that's a, a huge benefit that you guys have, where you know you're able to see you know, the players' interactions with their teammates and coaches and their body language and, you know, everything before the game, after the game. Like, you know, can you speak to some of the advantages of being there in person versus just someone that watches film? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and uh, you know, don't, don't get it wrong. Watching film is very important. I mean, it's a huge part of our operation. Sure. Uh, but, it's only, but it's only one variable in the equation. And uh, getting on the road, seeing, seeing these kids in person, you know, their body types, how they, their body moves. Uh, you know, getting a grip for their personality, their approach to the game, and just their approach to life in general, how they interact with their teammates and the trainers and the referees and their opponents and the fans. Um, I, I just, I never, I never feel fully confident in my evaluation until I've spent some time around, around the players. The NBA draft is rapidly approaching and you've got the chance to experience it like never before with NBA experiences. Get access to premium in-arena hospitality at the Barclays Center, get a draft stage photo op, and meet A.J. Griffin, Keegan Murray, Dominique Wilkins, and Ron Harper with an official NBA Experiences ticket package. Go to nbaexperiences.com slash bballnews for more information and get 5% off your draft package by using the code basketballnews at online checkout. That's the code basketballnews at online checkout for 5% off. What were some of the biggest scouting or talent evaluation talent evaluation lessons that you learned from your dad, your uncles over the years? Like, I mean, again, you grew up around the NBA and around front office executives. What were some tips or you know lessons that you kind of took away from them? Well, I mean, what we were just talking about as far as the priority of seeing seeing guys in person for sure. Um, I mean, other things as far as like trying to you know filter through intel. I mean, a lot of times there's there's a lot of uh, bad intel out there. I mean, you know, for one, talking to college coaches throws me off, you know, quite a bit. You know, hmm. a coach will be, you know, invest in their player and doing well because it'll help their career. Or the coach doesn't want the kid to go into the draft. I mean, I, you know, it, a lot of it can be very misleading. So I've really, you know, tried my best to learn you know, sort of the ins and outs, so I kind of filter through some of the BS, if you will. Uh, but yeah, just some of the some of the tricks of the trade uh, as far as how NBA teams operate. Um, have been the biggest things. I don't think there's necessarily one lesson that just really stands out. Uh, more of just kind of giving me a lay of the land. For sure. One of the things that I've, you know, kind of realized uh, being around you and just kind of seeing things behind the scenes is just how much information that teams have and and you people like yourself have. Like the thing about Chet, for example, it, you know, whenever that draft pick happens, fans are going to freak out, but the fans don't have all the information. They might not know that, hey, the team just passed on chat or name the player. I mean, any situation, you know, they may not have had his medicals and they may have had real questions and didn't have a chance to meet him, meet this kid. Like, 
there's so many things that happen behind the scenes that either teams find red flags or they're not privy to certain information. Like there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that fans aren't aware of. And I think it kind of, it's funny because you always see like the instant reaction on Twitter of people saying, oh, why did they draft so-and-so or this is a horrible pick. But can you kind of speak to just the, the amount of information that maybe fans don't have that teams and plugged in people do? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's been, uh, and you know, I've talked about this. It's been a struggle for me a little bit because I, I am, uh, you know, sort of fortunate to be able to have a lot of inside information and I, I have no ambitions of being a, a news breaker or a yeah. reporter. And so I've, I've really, you know, tried to tiptoe around of what I share to the public, what I don't. And I've, uh, you know, accidentally sort of gotten hot water a couple of times leaking rumors of trades and stuff like that. And uh, I'm, I'm you know, personally really careful. But yeah, there, there's a lot of information gathered, uh, whether it be just intel on, on potential trades or what teams are trying to do. But then also, too, just like the background information on players. You know, I mean, a lot of times we we know where, you know, which guys have skeletons in the closet sort of thing. And, um, you know, or, you know, issues with like med- medical stuff and, uh, you know, all, all things that like that's delicate that I, I wouldn't feel comfortable sharing publicly. I'm, I'm really not trying to air out anybody's dirty laundry. Um, and so just trying to find the balance of what's what's appropriate, what's not. But yeah, there, there is a lot of uh, detailed information that's exchanged among teams and, and people like myself. Yeah, a lot of times that stuff never leaks and never gets out. So you have fans that are, you know, freaking out, like, why didn't this guy go higher? You know, these teams are dumb, but, you know, there's information that's out there. I I kind of, I definitely was guilty of that when I was younger and would judge teams and think, oh, I know everything. I've, you know, watched all this film and stuff like that and talked to people, but there's so much information that we don't have. So typically I assume now if there's something that happened where it just doesn't really add up, there's probably some kind of information that I just am not privy to that, you know, factored sure. into that decision. Um, I'm curious, I get, I talk to people a lot of time, like, you know, people that want to work for teams or people that want to get into media. And there's a lot of people that want to go down this path and they want to become a draft analyst. And, you know, they, they love the idea of being able to scout players year round and do mock drafts. And I think especially like, you know, since Mel Kuyper kind of made the position on the NFL side, uh, become really popular and attractive. Now you see it a ton and people in the NBA want to do it as well. What advice would you give to someone that wants to kind of have a similar career path as yours? Obviously, you've had a very you know interesting route with coaching and becoming an agent. Uh, but what would you what advice would you give to someone that wants to be a draft analyst? Yeah, I mean, and there's a there's a whole community of it now. I mean, I think it, you know NBA Twitter have, has like a life of its own. It's it's pretty incredible, and it, it's it's really great to see. It. I mean, a lot of, a lot of guys that have the same passion that that I do. And uh, I think the, the the hardest part is kind of getting over the hurdle of being a guy that's able to do it from home, watching film, um, and then also actually being sort of in, in the trenches, if you will, as far as having a network, knowing people, having access to be able to get to know the players, to see them up close and personal. Uh, that, that's just, you know, I, I don't necessarily have the right blueprint. Obviously, my my path to this point was so unorthodox. It really probably can't be replicated, nor, nor should it be. Hmm. Um, but yeah, just find, some way, somehow finding a way uh, of being able to travel and, and network and um, you know get, get to know people within the basketball community. I think that's that that's the biggest thing. You know, if you can get to that point, that's what will open up all the doors. Yeah, that's whenever I'm talking to people that want to work in media or work on the team side, I always tell them, you know, relationships matter so much. And it's important to be at summer league and the combine and these places where all the league congregates. If the league is in one place, then you should really be there so you can, you know, make connections and talk to people because, yeah, the relationships matter so much. This podcast is brought to you by Branded Bills, the best place online for premium headwear and apparel. 
Branded Bills has hundreds of designs available, including their popular state collection, where you can show your pride with hats, shirts, hoodies, and more for all 50 states. Are you a company looking to brand your business? Branded Bills also offers custom apparel options that can meet your brand standards with fast turnaround and shipping. To shop or learn more, visit brandedbills.com today. That's brandedbills.com. Speaking of your journey, your article, your series, My Past Life as a Sports Agent has been so much fun to read. I, I love checking out each of the new uh, the new articles that drop, but it's so cool kind of seeing your path from basically this intern uh, whose family just had, you know, has worked in basketball for many years to becoming a coach and becoming an agent and kind of working your way up. Um, can you kind of talk me through what that was like for you at a young age, going through that journey and trying to figure out, you knew you wanted to work in basketball, but you weren't sure exactly what you wanted to do. You know, when you look back at that stage of your life, what, what kind of stands out to you? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me is, you know, I, I, I'll admit I was a little bit of a spoiled kid, a little immature and I'd always been a player. And so I, I never really had a full-time job until I got out of college. And so I, I went through some growing pains of, you know, for, I mean, for one, thinking that a lot of things would just be handed to me, which I, I did have some opportunities kind of fall on my lap early uh, in, in large part because I was well-connected through my family. But um, yeah, I had uh, I had to improve, you know, just as far as being, being a good worker and, you know, clocking in and clocking out. I was used to being on like a player's schedule where you show up to practice and you, you look way hard, like that kind of thing, which is just totally different. Uh, than actually, you know, you know, working in more of a traditional type of workplace. Um, yeah. And so I, I really, you know, was, was kind of my own worst enemy in my first few years working and expectations were all over the place. And I, I just really had to learn on the fly and, and grow up. And what were some of the biggest lessons you learned from the agent world that now you're able to take and apply to your, you know, media career? Because again, uh, the the prep is the same, you know, you're doing a lot of the same behind the scenes work and, and traveling and scouting guys. But um, what were some of the biggest things that have helped you as a media member from your agent career? Oh, there's, there's so many things that I, I could touch on, but I mean, a few things is um, I mean, learning to deal with disappointment. I mean, as an agent, there, there's, there's so many highs and lows and, you know, you get, you get punched in the gut, you, you, you're, you know, recruiting, you have to take a shotgun approach and meet with so many different people and a lot of people say no. And so you have to learn learn to deal with rejection. Um, you have to be resilient. Uh, and, and then also you have to be really organized, I think, to be a good agent. And so I, I, all those things, um, you know, having having learned from a lot of mistakes uh, really helped me develop and grow. And so, I mean, I did it for 10 years. Uh, you know, at it, it, it points, it felt like I did it for way too long. Uh, but I, I mean, I definitely walked away you know, much more prepared to to do a lot of different things in business because, you know, because of how hard that industry is. One thing that you and I never talked about, but I want to ask you this question. Uh, whenever you're in the agent world, it's so competitive and doggy dog. And I know like a lot of agents butt heads with each other. And it's something that as a journalist, I try to navigate and I, I know how it can be awkward at times. When you make that transition from agent to now journalist and, you know, you're talking to other agents that you were previously competing with, uh, or again, like we mentioned, you got all these different workouts for draft prospects. Well, you know, a lot of times you're going through the agents to kind of book that interview and, and book that uh, time to be around the players and stuff. What was that like? Like, how did agents perceive you when you made that switch? Uh, people that, and I'm not sure, I mean, there's some agents that I know get along with a lot of agents. I'm not sure, uh, you know, not like everyone has that competitive, uh, you know, butting heads uh, approach, but what was that like for you when you kind of shifted how you're being perceived and they were viewing you now as a journalist? Was that difficult? 
Yeah, it was a bit of an adjustment. I, I would say, generally speaking, when I was an agent, I I, uh, I had a certain, probably a certain level of respect, just because a lot of these agents knew my family, different family members, mm. uh, and and I wasn't I wasn't one that was doing a bunch of sleazy business, which is the reason I got out of the business because I, I just was sort of turned off by how how cutthroat you needed to be right uh, to get ahead. And so I, I didn't create too many enemies, but you know there there were cer- certain run ins. Uh, with guys. And so I, I don't know, I always just took the approach of a hey, water on the bridge. It, does, it doesn't do me any good to, to you know, hold the grudge with, with guys. And so I, I have a good relationship with most, most agents and uh, it, it was a little bit of an adjustment, but, but, you know, relatively seamless at the same time. Thanks to Yerbe for sponsoring this episode. Yerbe energy drinks are naturally caffeinated and made with recognizable plant-based ingredients. There's no sugar, calories, or sucralose. So you can feel great about what you're drinking. Get the energy you need without the jitters or crash. Try 12 drinks for free at basketballnews.com slash energy. That's 12 drinks for free at basketballnews.com slash energy. Yeah, I've seen that firsthand. It always blows me away. Like whenever we're at different events and stuff, just like the, how connected you are. It feels like everyone knows you and has some kind of relationship with you. So whether it's like summer league or, you know, we've been at the Tampa Bay Pro Combine together and I'm just blown away by all the connections you have. So um, I was just curious. And it's always, I mean, it's tough whenever you change titles like that, uh, you know, keeping those relationships, but uh, that all makes a lot of sense. Uh, one or two more things. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on kind of what we've seen from the G League Ignite? And I know also the New Zealand breakers of the NBL, that's kind of become a destination where players can go instead of college. What do you think of some of these other routes that players are taking and just kind of how they've developed in recent years? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, for one, I think just generally speaking, optionality is is a really great thing for players. Um, you know, and, and all, all these different outlets are are kind of like fine tuning everything. I mean, the the G League Ignite launched during the pandemic, which you know, talk about a complete nightmare for them. And and uh, I thought they they made the most of it, and they've had they've had some really good players come through. Um, I mean, this year, I, you know, I watched them a handful of times, and really great group. I mean, I'm really looking forward to watching Scoot Henderson next year. Um, as far as Australia. I mean, it's a, you know, that Australian league is a very sophisticated, great league. It's a nice place for the guys to go and, and train and, and live for a year. I mean, my biggest issue there is just from a scouting perspective, it's a really hard place to get to and expensive, right? And so, um, you know, that, that's one that's one drawback there. Uh, overtime elites, you know, I, I helped them get their scouting department uh, going before they had launched. And so I'm very familiar with them. Uh, you know, there's a lot of money behind it. They've got a lot of resources, great support staff. And so I think, you know, giving young players... Uh, resources to develop and get exposure. I mean, it's all great things. I, I don't think, you know, there's necessarily a right or wrong decision for for any you know, specific player. Um, you know, some guys are be- better suited to go straight to a pro pro setup uh, rather than college, and then and vice versa. I think other guys would benefit going to, you know, going to school and, and kind of taking the traditional path and, and sort of being a kid and having a year of sort of developing on and off the court and being around peers and things like that. So I like the options for the guys. And, and I just think it's just one of these things. Each guy needs to look at it in a compartmentalized manner and just kind of weigh out the pros and cons. For sure. Well, Matt, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate this. I know you uh, have a ton of interviews these days and uh, you're, you're very busy this time of year. So thanks for taking time to chat with me. No, I appreciate it, Alex. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. For sure. Everyone, ch- uh, make sure you guys are following Matt on Twitter at MattPapcock11. Check out his mock draft on basketballnews.com. It's fantastic. You can click the player names and you can see his thoughts on each player, their measurements, highlights, things like that. So be sure to check that out. Uh, and Matt's also going to be in New York covering the draft for us uh, You know, on draft night. So he'll have a bunch of videos and things like that from Barclays Center. So be sure to check that out. And if you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening.